What's going on, everybody? This is Jesse McCoy, and I'm here with the world's uh, first and foremost legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing today? I've been better. I've, I've been better. Um, but uh, but I'm going to go ahead and struggle on through because um, of today's topic. Okay, okay. Well, tell the people, what's bothering you, man? What's going on? And what's bothered me is the case of Stephon Clark, uh, the young brother in Sacramento, uh, who was gunned down in his grandmother's backyard um, a couple of days ago. The story has been changing. We were getting different um, stories from the police, but we, they released a video cam today, which is interesting because they had 30 days by state law. The fact they released it in like two days tells me that they think that what we saw on the video and we encourage everyone to go look at the video. If you follow us on Facebook, we'll post the link so you can go see the video. But mm -hmm. it seems to me that they're pretty sure that what they show on the video here is justified. They wouldn't have released okay. it so early, right? They thought it was bad news to them. And to you and I, at least to me, it, it is horrifying okay. um, how we have a situation in which this young brother, there is nothing I could see he could have done to save his life. So the story is, is that he's walking through his neighborhood. The police are looking for, because of some tip, someone who's breaking into cars. The young brother's walking through the neighborhood. We have the night vision, and we see him hop over a fence to his grandmother's house. We're not seeing him breaking any cars. He's not running. He is simply walking at you know fairly decent pace. He comes around the front of the house, looks into a car, which is at his grandmother's house, and then the police at that point see him from the street. They yell, not they don't identify themselves as police. They yell, stop, stop. He continues toward the back. They then come after him. They come around the corner, and two cops see him. One cop yells, gun. The two cops fall back. All right, and then when they come out again, they say, show your hands, and we hear 20 gunshots ring out. So, ground unit Scott, so it looks like might be getting one at gunpoint. Hey, show your hands! Stop! Stop! Watch something, Twenty of them, and, and just just so everybody kind of understands the context, if you haven't seen it already, there are essentially two videos that have been released so far. One video it appears to be the body camera footage from one of the officers who uh, was involved in the shooting, and the other appears to be, um, I guess, night vision from a helicopter's perspective. Uh, I made the mistake of watching the helicopter footage before, so it's hard to tell that this is at nighttime. Uh, the body cam footage shows you a lot clearer that it would be very difficult for anybody, be it uh, young Mr. Clark or the officers, to see what was going on Absolutely. at night. Um, they obviously had flashlights, but the flashlights only can shine up so much of an area. And one of the concerns was they announced that when, when they said to show your hands, one of the officers said that there was a gun. But we've later discovered that there was no gun. There was only a cell phone that apparently um, Mr. Clark had been holding. Um, no identification made that is police. And it really puts things into context when you see the, the body camera footage. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, 
we just see a guy who, of course, the helicopter video is telling us, oh, he broke he, he broke some cars. He broke right. the window or something. But we don't see that on the video. That's what they're telling us. And in the video, all you see is him literally hop a fence, nothing illegal there. And he look into a car that's in his driveway, <laughs> or at least the driveway belonged to his grandmother. Nothing illegal there. Um, and two people come up with guns. Um, one of the most disturbing things about this case is we've had the opportunity to look at some of the comments mm. that our fellow American citizens, uh, people who are supposed to understand some of the, the, the issues that are going on, particularly concerning police brutality, and uh, these comments have not been flattering. We've seen everything from uh, people imposing the death penalty for minor minor crimes and minor criminal issues that Mr. Clark had not even been charged with Absolutely. or even notified about. Um, we see a lot of people who tend to believe in compliance with law enforcement commands, even when you don't know it's law enforcement. Um, and so people tend to believe that if random people with guns just walk up on you at nighttime at your house that you're somehow supposed to stay there, be polite and try to figure it all out um, and and put your safety and your concerns to the side as opposed to self-preservation. And it's, it's just been it's very disheartening, um, particularly considering the fact that this isn't the first time we've seen it. This continuously happens. It's been happening since, you know, before the the common era and, and we're still going through it now and there's always an excuse to let the officer off the hook but i don't understand any like i, I don't understand how someone can be shot in their own yard 20 times not have had any kind of weapon not have pointed any kind of weapon at anybody all we know is what the officers are telling us because of course his side is is gone right. um and it, it just seems ridiculous. In, in addition to that, you know, it's a situation, you know, we talked about it, you mentioned it you know, for a second, comply or die policing. The sure. idea is that when a cop gives you a, a command, you have a very limited amount of time to follow it precisely or you forfeit your life because mm -hmm. a cop's word is law and the penalty for not following that to the limit is instant death and that is perfectly acceptable to at least I'd say half of our fellow citizens. There was a case here in Mesa, Arizona involving a white guy at a hotel. Did you ever see this video in the hallway? And the cop, the cops come to the hotel. Someone's been supposedly pointing a gun out the window. They confront this young man in, in the hallway, have him come out. They say, get on the ground. And then they start giving him these commands that are just, I mean, they are absolutely absurd commands. It, it, it's the worst game, literally, of uh, Mother May I I've ever heard.
I'm not here to be tactful or diplomatic with you. You listen, you obey. For one thing, did I tell you to move, young man? Did I tell you to put both your hands, put both your hands on the top of your head and interlace your fingers? Take your feet and cross your left foot over your right foot. Your hands, I mean, something literally was like a game of Twister. And, and they said, if you fail to do this, we will kill you. And sure enough, he fell over, and boom, they shot him dead. Okay, young man, listen to my instructions and do not make a mistake. You are to keep your legs crossed. Do you understand me? You are to put both of your hands, palms down, straight out in front of you. Push yourself up to a kneeling position. I said, keep your legs crossed! Sorry. I didn't say this in conversation. Hands Put your hands up in the air! You do that again, we're shooting you. Do you understand? Please do not shoot me. I'm then listen to my instructions. I'm trying to do what you Don't talk! Listen! Hands straight up in the air. Do not put your hands down for any reason. You think you're going to fall, you better fall on your face. Your hands go back in the small of your back or down. We are going to shoot you. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Crawl towards me. Crawl towards me! Yes, sir. <laughs> Don't go! See, we felt like oh, he was wow. reaching for something. He's trying to pull up his pants as he's, you know, falling over. He's drunk, by the way. And, and the whole time he's screaming, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. And their idea was, no, 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 we're going to shoot you if you do not comply with our commands because it is comply or die policing. And the problem that I have with that, in addition to the fact that it is wrong, is the fact that not everyone can comply. You either have people right. who are impaired. I happen to have two sons with autism who cannot mm. comply. They have no ability to comply. But if that were my son in our backyard, he would be dead. Because there is nothing he could do to allay them, and part of it is because the officers say, if I were reasonably afraid for my life, then your life gets forfeited. And to me, that's the first problem, is that their life should not be worth more than ours. We pay them, they are our serve, they're our protectors, and if anyone should be risking their life, it is them. And the idea that we have to, as a citizen, have an obligation to make them feel safe. And if they're not safe, they don't feel safe, then they can kill us. If you're a cop out there and you're listening, if you don't feel safe, you're scared to go to your job, I understand that, I respect that, then be a fucking librarian. Alright? Mm -hmm. Be a legal humorist. I don't worry about getting shot on my job. But if I do a dangerous job, then yeah, I should expect that they might be scared sometime. I might be scary weird. If you're scary weird, then I don't know what to tell you. But you're on the wrong damn job. But you can't just shoot people because you scared. That brother did not have a gun. Posed no threat to anybody, but he's dead. And when you and I watched this tape, the question we kept asking ourselves, Jesse, is how, what could he have done once Correct. the cops said gun that, that, that would have saved his life? They said, show us your hands. He did show them the hands. They said, you pointed that cell phone at us, which was exactly your command. And this is what I mean by this. You have to follow the command to the exact limit to, by the way, a, a very vague command like show us your hand. Not put your palms up. Right? Not something that, by the way, he could have possibly known what they meant. Show us your hands, and if you don't show the hands in the way they think you should, in the time you should, you are a dead person. And, and keep in mind, we still haven't identified that these are police officers <laughs> at the time who was chasing them. So even for the people who are, who are vigilant about comply or die, okay, 
it would probably help if at the very least Thank the people you. chasing them said, this is Sacramento police. Would you put your hands up? Thank you. Not to say that it would make a difference. I don't know. I personally don't think it would have. But I think when it comes to young Mr. Clark, he would have at least known who his assailant was. Thank you. And sometimes I think that that can make a difference for how somebody reacts. Uh, to me, you know, the worst thing that you can ever imagine would be to go out in the way that Trayvon Martin did, where you're thinking about somebody I don't even know right. is following me back from doing a lawful activity at nighttime while I'm by myself. And I emphasize while I'm by myself because the surprising thing that always happens to me is when I'm with all my boys at nighttime Thank you. and we're walking back from the store, we have zero problems. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody stops us. We don't get calls. The police see us and keep on driving, might even wave. We have zero problems. But it's, the, it's those situations where you're not with the group. You're by yourself. Usually the situations where you're not even prepared for any kind of offsetting uh, issue because you're just running to the store or you're running to a neighbor's house. Uh, Trayvon Martin was going to the store to get Skittles and an Arizona tea, right? You're, you're not thinking that, okay, if I'm walking down to the end of the block, there go. there's, there's going to be a life-changing altercation that's going to come up. And to have somebody, you know, and, and I'll say part of this, I feel like it's also cultural because um, I was raised that you have to protect yourself at all right. times. So if somebody who you don't know rolls up on you at nighttime and they have not clearly identified themselves as any kind of law enforcement officer, then guess what? Either you're going to run and try to get to where you need to be Thank or you, you got to square up. That's just the way it is until we figure out what's going on. But it becomes about self-preservation. And I think the, the, police officers in a lot of these situations nationally are taking advantage. Well, I know they're taking advantage of that concept because they know that if they pull up on somebody, you know, I think about all the things that a police officer has to identify themselves. Mm -hmm. You can have flashing lights on your car. Everybody knows what a blue and red flashing light is. You can have your police uniform on. Now, granted, if you wear black and it's nighttime, people are probably not going to be able to see it. But you can have your police uniform on. You can have a badge. You can talk to people. Talking would probably resolve about 50% of these issues. 50. But there's there's a rush for everybody to say, oh, I want to shoot. And I don't know if part of it is just as a police officer, you are scared. If as a police officer, you are eager to shoot someone so you can get away with it. Uh, as a police officer, you carry your humanistic notions about people from communities that may or may not necessarily look like yours mm -hmm. um, and what they must be up to at a certain time of night if they're out and it's not something that you would normally do. Um, and I think that, you know, when you combine all these factors, plus everybody wants to get home, be it the person that is being chased by the police and mm -hmm. the police officer, everybody is, is frustrated because I'm sure the police officer, some of them will say, I don't make enough money for this job, mm -hmm. right? So everybody is trying to deal with these issues. And in a span of a few seconds, instead of having a conversation, we get more and more footage of uh, another young black man's death, unarmed young black man 
dead in his own house, mm. not doing anything, as far as we can see on the video, not doing anything wrong. Um, and, and you know, I apologize also if there are some people who, as part of their compliance uh, vigilanteism, also believe that uh, there are certain rules that are imposed on uh, the black community that, that other communities don't have to follow. So, for instance, the black community, why would you be out at night? Why would you listen? Why would you go here? Why would you have this? Whatever the case may be. One of the concerns that I have with this particular case is this: uh, these these thoughts are oftentimes stirred up by the the type of press coverage that these events give. So one of the first things that you notice about Stefan Clark is the pictures that they put up of who Stefan Clark is. And they want to coincide with the narrative that they want the American people to believe. The picture that I'm looking at right now is a picture of him hanging out with his friends. Uh, his friend has a hat on that says hustle. You know, for me, it's not a big deal. But I can see that if you're reading this from Iowa, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you're looking at this, and you, you don't know any black people. You don't know how black people dress or anything. You're probably going to take issue with that and say, oh, he looks like a criminal. He looks a certain way added to the fact that they want to talk about a criminal record that you have, uh, which really has nothing to do with anything because they didn't even identify who this guy was before they shot him. Oh, so, no. And that's the thing. So first thing you did, like you said, the media comes out and the first thing they do is talk about his criminal record. But since the police had no idea who they were even chasing, that couldn't have possibly fit into their calculation. That shouldn't have justified how they treated this guy one way or the other because they didn't know whether he was Al Capone, right, or, you know, or, or my autistic son. And, right. and, and, and that is, you know, the problem is, is that after the fact, the media will go back and sort of backtrack and try to fill in. Right, this this narrative to help the cops, and the weird part about it is even the quote unquote liberal media will will mm. do this. You know, the Sacramento Bee is not known as a conservative paper. I'm sure they were cursing out Trump at some point today, but even part of them, and I find out that for most people, there is this desire, and it's a psychological effect. Uh, that's that's the sort of the the world is okay. I think it's called as a bias, and, and basically what it says is. I couldn't live in a world, and if, if I acknowledge that black people were just being systematically killed in these unfortunate accidents, and so therefore I got to find a way to, to justify this. This has to somehow be right. So he has to be a thug. Michael Brown has to have been stealing Tipperello cigarettes, right? right. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, Trayvon Martin had to be a thug on the internet, you know, smoking weed. There can't be a world in which life is just as unfair because then I'd feel bad. I might have to do something to change this. So right. they will figure out a way to sort of justify after the fact all of these circumstances, which none of which the, the, the cops knew at the time, and do not matter in this case because whatever I, I saw this, this, this brother's uh, criminal rap sheet, and at no point did it involve shooting at cops. Right. Um, and even if they had, the cops wouldn't have known that, um, and, and, and it just opened uh, a fire. You know, this is the kind of thing, though, that is just, you know, you wonder, I saw the, the, the best hashtag today, and it's like, what can you do while black? We've discovered, obviously, you can't drive, you can't go get Skittles. Um, now you can't backyard while black. Mm. You know, at what point will it be that you just simply can't go anywhere? I've told my story 
and other uh, uh, venues, but I want to sort of share it now. I have two autistic sons. One is 21 years old, Maddie. My, my Maddie is is um, is nonverbal um, and you know does not speak. Does, does comprehend somewhat, but you know may not be compliant. Has all all kinds of um, you know what would be considered peculiar mannerisms and and ticks. It's called stimming activity. He likes to mm-hmm. you know make, have repetitive motions, and I, I I can't tell you how often my wife and I have to make decisions based around how do we avoid him coming into contact with the police in any way, and how do we make sure that doesn't happen or that we're there to to avoid that. There was a time where he. He was missing one evening. His caretaker had taken him out at night. We couldn't reach him, and it gets to be later and later. Renee's calling me nine o'clock. He hasn't. We haven't heard from him. What do I do? I, said, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's ten o'clock. I, I said we probably should call the police. I, she says no, no, no. And, and we're afraid to call the police because we're afraid they will find our son. Right. And that when they do, they will assume that he is high on drugs, that he is either being disrespectful, that he is simply a danger to them because he's a six foot black man and they won't know. All right. That he can't comply with, 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 with commands. If, if, I, I'm, I'm luckier than most. I, all I have to worry about in the world, because I happen to be blessed and, and to live in a, a very safe neighborhood, um, the only thing I really have to worry about in the world is the police killing my children. So, I, so I'm, I'm mm. more, I'm, I'm more uh, blessed than most black people in that regard. I don't have to worry about my neighbors and you know and and, and other people. Uh, just, 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 just the police. But the idea that you know we constantly have to be thinking about these things because there can't be anything other than either comply or die. We can't have a situation in which the police come across someone and they're not responding to commands and there's some other alternative to it. We saw this case. The police run around the corner the first time. They say, hey, gun. They pull back and then rather than trying to talk to the person and say, hey, do you have a gun? Please, toss your gun <laughs> right over here. Right? They just come right back around the corner and say, show us your hands and start shooting. The idea that there can be no middle ground ever, it either has to be all out, um, you know, a shootout. I, I don't get this idea that we can't ever escalate, you know, or de-escalate the training and to really talk people, you know, through these things because I don't right. think this brother wanted to die. I think he was yeah. more than happy to throw his cell phone over. He didn't have a gun. Right. And, and one of the concerns I've always had is if this is a, a reoccurring issue, that doesn't seem to be confined to any particular city, state, region. Right. Uh, this is national. At what point is it the training? At, at what point is it that we can identify the training is basically, hey, if you see black people, shoot them. We've already <laughs> had one story that came out of, um, what was that? I think it was, is it Minnesota? I want to say, say Georgia, somewhere in Georgia, right? Maybe, yeah. Which one are you talking about? There was a story where there was the officer on on tape right. basically saying that if he's black, you just shoot to kill. Right. Um, and I, I think that it was a, a, a jab for him, but for everybody else, I, th- I think that we are the ones, we being the average citizens, we are the ones who aren't hip to what the memo says. Like, right. I, I think that this, this is... There's no place that you can go. And we know that there are some places that are, are no, more notorious than others. So Correct. people talk about Sean Bell in New York. And I've been to New York and seen NYPD and been on subway with NYPD and very deathly intimidated by NYPD. <laughs> um, you know, people talk about LAPD and how in the 80s they was driving tanks through the neighborhood 
and knocking doors down and going in and getting people. Uh, we saw the Rodney King tapes. So people know about them. Right. But these things aren't just in the major cities. These things are happening all over the place. And we keep seeing the same reoccurring theme. It's unarmed black people who are undoubtedly going to be the victims of the police presence. And it doesn't matter if you're driving your car, uh, anything. It's it's always going to be us. Um, and, and I always wonder about, you know, at some point, when do we identify? I mean, I know there's a rush always to say, hey, there's good police and <laughs> not all police are bad and whatever the case may be. And I want to believe that there are. But at the same time, you know, not not to take away from from uh, I think it was uh, Chris Rock, but. Much like an airplane pilot, there are some jobs that you can't you can't just be sort of good at. Like there's some jobs that you you just have to know what you're doing and you have to do it right. And the fact that we're the ones who always have to stand out front and talk about police brutality, but nobody else seems to be. I'm not gonna say nobody, but there doesn't seem to be a big national movement. Um, I, I also say. The people over at Black Lives Matter, they caught a lot of flack for a lot of different reasons from older civil rights uh, organizations that said that they didn't have properly defined objectives and goals <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. They also caught a lot of flack from white people who felt like, oh, no, they're morphed into some kind of radical rioting organization, blah, 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 blah. However, one of the things that Black Lives Matter did that I feel like got overshadowed was they made sure that the names of these people who were killed by police did not end up missing or vanishing over time. And what happened is it looked like the media took the school shooting outrage and the organization of the student groups uh, nationally to talk to lawmakers about changing gun laws. It took that. Nobody, the lawmakers didn't care when it was black people getting shot in the street. They didn't care when black people were organizing, when Black Lives Matter was marching through every city in the United States of America. That, that didn't do anything for lawmakers. Right. But what the media and what the media came out to and what lawmakers, they still haven't changed. What they're receptive to as far as dialogue is these students. And why? Because the complexion of the students who are protesting, as opposed to the complexion of the people that are claiming Black Lives Matter, makes a huge difference in the eyes of the people in power. And I think we have to we have to recognize that, particularly in light of the fact that the people who do the same things, the people who harm us, even if they're not law enforcement, they get taken to Burger King for uh-huh. whoppers before they get caught off to jail and they went into a church and killed nine people. Or, you know, this guy in Texas who, you know, fortunately decided to take the, the, the uh, quick and dirty way out um, but he's mailing bombs off to people. Um, you know, at some point, everybody has to be on the same page about what is considered an act of terrorism, what is considered an improper uh, improper policing, what is considered humanity. And you would love to be in this situ- in, in a society where people would say, if anybody, regardless of their color, is brutalized by police. We need justice for that. Well, I don't think that we're there. No, no. Here's what here's what we're, we're not there, and it's problematic for a couple of reasons. One, the idea, for instance, that people it really is it's a narcissism. 
the reason that this doesn't that bother most people, white people is because it can't happen to them. They don't see their kids being gunned down in their own backyards. They know that that will cause hell to pay. And we know that because this same week, the white woman who was killed in Minnesota, the cop who shot her, the black cop, by the way, who yeah. shot her, was indicted for murder. They yeah. understand that, that you know, if you go shoot a white kid in the backyard, there's going to be some hell to pay. All right? Yeah. So they're not worried about it. But let me give you an example. When they do get worried, like, for instance, school shootings, something that, that could happen to their kids in the suburbs. Oh, no, no, no. Now we got legislation going forward. Mm-hmm. Now we got movements. Now we got walkouts, right? Now we have economic boycotts of the NRA and groups that, uh, and, and, and companies that give them discounts. People mm-hmm. can get motiv- mobilized when it could happen to them. But here's why this should, I think, bother even, you know, our, our, our white friends is because one, the cops are shooting quite a few of them too. All right. right. Yes, we you know we get shot disproportionately, but we're not even the majority. You know, the thirteen, fourteen hundred people that the cops will kill this year, um, a good seven, eight hundred of them will be white. Mother May I thing that was a white guy. You know, it, mm. it it affects them as well. And here's why: even if it doesn't affect them, it should bother them because it's their police. Right. See, this isn't the kind of thing you say. People always say, "Well, what about black on black crime?" That's another issue because no one is sanctioning that. Nobody pays for that. Nobody gives these guys benefits and pensions that get crips into blood. That's something that, that nobody can control. But if you yeah. are, this is your society. This is the society that all of us are contributing to. We're responsible for what our cops do in our name. And so okay. even if you don't think they're going to do it to you, you should be worried about whatever the cops do in your name. Okay. Lastly, you mentioned the BLM or Black Lives Matter and all the flack they got. And one of the things that people love to say is, you know, they didn't have a, a well-defined platform. And at the beginning, they probably didn't. But since then, I'm looking on their website now. Here's their platform to end, you know, the, um, the war on black people. Okay? Ten-point platform, very quickly. They want an immediate end to the criminalization and dehumanization of black youth. So no more of that school-to-prison pipeline. They want, two, an end to capital punishment. Three, an end to money bail, mandatory fines, and all the ways in which people are sort of put in debtor's prison these days. Four, an end to the use of past criminal history. Four, to determine, not not crimes, but determine eligibility for housing, education, licenses, etc., we let brothers, uh, we put brothers in prison for, you know, a dime bag of weed, and now for the rest of their lives, they're prevented from getting anything. And then we right. wonder why we, you know, things don't get better. And into the war on black immigrants, and then it talks about ICE and, 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 uh, and enforcement there. Because remember, it's not just uh, people from, from brothers and sisters from South America, but also brothers from Haiti, right, right who get caught up in this. And into the war on black trans, queer, and gender non-conforming people, and into mass surveillance of black communities, demilitarization of law enforcement, the immediate end to the privatization of police, prison, jails. It is amazing how you tend to get more prisoners when there's a profit motive uh, to, to, to have some. All right? Absolutely. <laughs> and then immediate change to conditions in jail so that for the people in there, we don't treat them like animals and then expect them to get out and be choir boys. But the point is, is that this is well thought out policy changes they have. We can go further into it. We can do a whole several episodes on it. It's not like they're just out there blocking traffic. These young brothers and sisters have something they want that is every bit, by the way, as systematic, every bit as um, comprehensive as what are those wonderful young kids in Parkland are doing. But they don't have Anderson Cooper. 
on letting them yeah. on TV every night. All right. Um, and, and, and as a result, you know, it's, it's amazing how, once again, when something happens to people that we want to keep, um, then, you know, you know, well-to-do white kids, um, then, you know, we, we, we need to change some stuff. But when something happens to this brother, here's what's going to happen. At most, his the particular cops will be punished. And from what I saw in the video, no way. But mm-hmm. it's never someone saying, hey, we need to change this so that it doesn't happen to the next brother. Right. right or sister right. um or by the way even you know like i said um you know white brother or sister i, I know the idea that we make any systematic changes to the police now let me ask you this why is it that white people seem to like this so much to to like what status quo yeah exactly or... I mean, think about it. It, it it's one thing to say hey this was a horrible incident an accident and we hope it never happens again but that's right. not the attitude. The attitude is, you're darn right it should happen, and maybe the rest of them will learn from this. You know, the, uh, th- this is a situation where if we thought these were horrible accidents, we would do something to fix them, just like when we have horrible car accidents. No one says, hey, you got on the road, you deserve to die. Like, no, 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 let's get some airbags, let's get some, right. uh, some right. seatbelts, let's get some ABS brakes, let's figure out a way to slow the speed limit, let's figure out a way to, to make this happen less. There is no one even thinking about it, oh, I'm sorry, except for, you know, BLM and people who are on our side. But the average citizen isn't thinking this is something that needs to happen less. I think this is right. happening about the right amount. Well, you know, the only thing that I can really uh, correlate it to is culture. Like, I, I think if, if you're raised in a society where police are the good guys mm-hmm. and they help you, and you're never going to have to worry about any negative confrontation that you don't put yourself in a position to cause, then your viewpoint on police universally and generally is going to be very good. If you grew up in a community where uh, maybe it's it's uh, poor, maybe it's marginalized, maybe it's whatever, and the police, uh, because they're either afraid of the community and unfamiliar with the community, okay. so they feel like everybody from the community is uh, a certain way or carries a certain degree of criminality, mm-hmm. or maybe they are from the community, but they just don't know you, right? right. So, so, you know, it's a power trip to say, you know, I run things over here. There you go. Right. If that's the kind of community that you're from, your interactions with the police would be vastly different. Um, you know, interactions that I've had with police. And, I've, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've had them in, in both settings. I've had really good police officers that were very helpful. I've had really horrible police officers that did everything to intimidate did everything to harass, did everything to, everything short of actually taking and filing a false report against (laughs) you um, to let you know that they're here and they could care less about who you are. So the the way it works is certain, certain people in certain communities will feel like if the police have their sole purpose um, just dedicated to intimidating you, there are some people in certain communities who say, I refuse to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. And that is viewed as defiant. Oh, so if a police officer says, you better talk to me, or more more likely, mm-hmm. you better talk to me, boy. Okay. Right? And you are a 40-year-old man who's defiant. Right. And you're probably going to keep on walking because you say, I don't have no duty to talk to you. Right. I'm not going to talk to you. And police, the one thing that they do like, the good ones and the bad ones, they like to be in control. 
they don't like to see a situation where somebody is, you know, knowledgeable of the law or somebody <laughs> is, is not complying with some order that they gave. They, they want to be in control. Now, there are other situations that I will give them credit for where they do have a warrant. They are trying to execute the warrant and somebody takes off running or somebody right. says you're not taking me alive or whatever the case may be. And those are different circumstances. But for your average person, just like we're always talking about, they're good police. They're not all bad. Well, they're good citizens. They're not They're not all bad either. And, but here, <laughs> and, and, and let's stop there because I agree with you. But here's what I want to say is that I think we have a bad idea in the sense that, and even black people sort of fall into this, which is they're good citizens and, and bad citizens. My, my conjecture is that the police are responsible for being just as kind and just as to preserve the life of the bad citizens as well because the entire reason we have police is, is the acknowledgement that there are some bad citizens the truth of the matter is you and i the police have almost no reason to ever be involved with us we're not going to have any situation that we don't handle reasonably responsibly etc but here's the bottom line is like to me i look at it as the police are in the customer service job and business and their customers are by definition people who are difficult who don't follow all the rules, all right? That's why they have interaction with them. And so the idea of the cops is, hey, you didn't respect me. You didn't follow my rules. No, that's why you're dealing with him, because he doesn't follow rules or respect people. You are in a different, you have to deal with difficult people, because that's the people that you've been assigned to. If there were no difficult mm -hmm. people, you'd have to be a librarian. So the fact that you get to be a cop means they're difficult people, and you can't go out and kill all your customers. All right? Right. If you're at the customer service desk, you're going to deal with nothing but difficult people all day. You can't yell at them. You can't curse at them. And here's the funny part is, we know that other people deal with difficult people all day long. Not just the customer service people, but for instance, doctors in the ER room. Everybody who comes there isn't nice. People have been shot by drugs, they're on drugs. People have oftentimes are very rude, disrespectful. We even attack doctors and nurses. Doctors don't go out and take off the wrong leg because you didn't show me my respect. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like you know, everyone else understands that you know what people are not always going to be nice to me. But my job is to deal with people who aren't nice to me too. All yeah. right, because that is the job, right? And somehow cops have this idea: no, 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 everybody's going to treat me with respect. Now I have to confess, my 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 successes have been you know a little bit li like yours, but I, but I'm older and I remember you know, almost all of my adult life. Well, since I've gotten my law degree, uh, I've had an interesting. I, I, with the cops, which I have sort of a, a white pass, um, yeah. and it's fairly effective if I can find a way to demonstrate to the cop that uh, I'm somebody who will be missed if I don't show up where I'm supposed to be tomorrow. Mm. So three times I've been, since, since I've been a speaker, I've been driving around the country. Remember, I remember one time, give you an example, I'm in the middle of the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri, out in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. I go through a speed trap too fast. The cop pulls me over about 2 in the morning. He says, where are you going, sir? Got my hands on the wheels. I say, sir, I'm heading to a conference of lawyers and judges, and I have a key, you know, a, a speech at 9 a.m., which is why I was driving so fast. Uh, I didn't get pulled out the car. Mm. I, I didn't get a ticket. I got directions to the resort and offer to drive me there, all right, to escort me there because he knew that there'd be 300 judges who would be looking for me in the morning? <laughs> Going, where's our keynote speaker? We're supposed to be having a good time in here. We play a dictionary, right? You know, and as a result, I have a pass at times, all right? But okay. having that pass doesn't blind me to the fact that 
other people don't have it, and you should not have to go to Harvard Law School to survive a police stop. Absolutely. Right? You should you should not even have to be innocent to survive a police stop. Right? You should simply not have to be trying to shoot the cops to survive the police stop. And, and, and so, you know, it's not like we're saying that the cops are supposed to, you know, take gunfire, right? And that they're, you know, pacifists. But we're simply saying that, you know, they should not be creating a situation that's non-lethal and somehow making it lethal. Because that guy had yeah. no way to hurt any of them. And they somehow made it a life or death situation with no provocation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I want to shift the attention a little bit and talk about uh, this Austin situation. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, they have, well, not arrested, but they have uh, <laughs> uncovered the charred remains of the, uh, of the bomber in Austin. Let's go back, because you mentioned this a couple of times now, and you get such a, a, a kick out of living by the bomb and, and dying by the bomb. What is it about this that, that somehow just tickles your literary, you know, fancy so much? So I, I'll tell you this. I uh, found out about this story about two days ago. All right. And I found out, of course, on uh, the main news source, that I think is the most trusted news source nowadays, Facebook. <laughs> and uh, on Facebook, there were people who were saying, hey, this uh, there's a guy who's sending bombs to black people, which, you know, for those people who know me, that's something I'm really going to care about. So <laughs> I, um, I automatically try to locate people who are in the San Antonio area, uh, Austin area, anybody in that area of Texas who can give me more because when I turn on CNN, I don't see anything about it. I turn on local news. I see nothing about it. So, you know, I'm like, well, if, if if it's that serious, why am I not hearing about it? And a quick Google search and some links from some friends brought up that there was this uh, guy who was mailing bomb packages. And at that time, he had mailed packages, I believe, earlier in the month to two African-American men mm -hmm. who, as a result, are no longer with us. Uh, and so all I knew of him at that point in time was, oh, man, there's somebody sending bombs to black people. Um, and at that point, uh, I just started wondering, how is this going to end? I want I want I mean, no pun intended. I kind of wanted the blaze of glory. <laughs> of I, I, needed, I needed to know that um, this was going to end in a way that was satisfying to me. Because you should not be able to walk away from a situation where you're randomly bombing innocent civilians. The second thing is, um, we when we go to Afghanistan or we go to Iraq and there's somebody who hasn't eaten in a month and they are at the end of their rope and they say, you know what, I'm putting on a bomb and I'm going into this military base and this is it for me. All right. When they do that, we have no problem. Calling those people terrorists. None. And that is a single bombing, a single suicide bomb. He's not coming back from that. Mm -hmm. Right? This guy is distributing bombs throughout the city like mixtapes. Like, <laughs> like, he's, he's just putting them in, you know, how the AR's are different. Oh, like, he's trying like to get signed. <laughs> A&R's at different companies, you send demo tapes for people, and they're like, oh, God, and they're throwing them in the garbage. <laughs> He's sending bombs like, like rappers are sending demo tapes, 
And he sent the bombs to everybody. At, at the time when I discovered the case, he was sending bombs to black people. Mm-hmm. Wasn't called a terrorist. Now we have learned that he was sending bombs to everybody. He sent the bomb to the FedEx facility. Right. He sent the bomb for tripwire for, 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 for white people in the white area. So you would think that with the increased reach as far as who he was trying to bomb, now the society and the media would feel more comfortable uh, labeling this guy as a terrorist, which he is. However, in the press conference today, the police officer says that there was no any no indication that this guy was acting out of terror or hate. So essentially what they're saying is he's not a terrorist because he didn't claim to be a terrorist. No, no, no. These, these are love bombs. This, this is this is this is how he spread the love with nails and explosives. <laughs> And, and the thing that got me was, in addition to the fact that this officer seemed that you know, he was a troubled youth, right? The pictures that come up to him, they got his, you know, his 10th grade high school picture, the you know, time he had got his hair cut, you know, and was wearing the NSYNC shirt. And, I mean, and just everything about this guy was so sweet and, and nice and, and wonderful. And how could one of the kids really go so wrong? And versus, you know, our, our, our brother Stefan, who did not, bomb anybody all right, right. But he a thug all right, right. Okay, you know and, and, and he got some you know some, some outstanding tickets whatever and and trayvon is smoking weed but this guy was uh, you know an altar boy nice kid i, I don't know how anything what, what, what happened here um yeah. a couple things about that one i agree with you all right um terrorists we need to basically redefine the term because it doesn't mean someone who strikes fear and terror because the entire town of Austin was scared as hell. All right, a million people were running around last week, you know, not open. Amazon didn't do no business last week. All right, nobody was getting Amazon in, in Austin for a whole week. But somehow that's not terrorism. So here's a new definition of terrorism. It's if you happen to be black or brown um, and, and do something we don't like. Because, by the way, I've heard Black Lives Matter be considered a terrorist organization. In fact, yeah. isn't the FBI now looking into black extremist groups? Yeah, I'm trying to make the list, man. I'm, uh, I got I got wait listed. Thank you. So I'm, we, I'm trying to make the we, list. We, 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 we haven't bombed nobody. All right? right? I can't think of a black organization that bombed anybody, even in the 60s. All right? And somehow... We got all the, 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 the scrutiny. So if you happen to be, you know, particularly brown, medium brown, uh, you can be a terrorist. White, you certainly can't be, no matter how much terror you strike in, in your fellow neighbors. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. And, and, and I can almost live with that if they just yeah. stop shooting the kids. Well, you know, and, and if you're white, you get special adjectives that make it seem like you are a lot cooler than what you were. So you get things like uh, lone wolf. Uh, <laughs> you, you get things like uh, trouble. Well, well, speaking uh, of which, the lone wolf, let's talk about this. Let's break that down because he had roommates. All right. right. And let me just right. say this to you. All right. If you out there and you got roommates, all right, go in their room right now. All right. And start <laughs> looking for anything that's sizzling or, you know, fizzing a little bit. I don't know how you running around in an apartment with some with, with three or four other dudes and ain't nobody come across. All right, think about it. I would have gone in your room to you know to borrow right you know your, <laughs> your Jordans or something 
and we'd be like, wait a minute, what's all these nails and 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 ammonia and and and, uh, and fancy electronic switches? Um, th- th- this brother is in here doing something. Hey, bro, don't touch my nitroglycerin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. Is it that much stuff going around in white people's houses where I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid at my house, I don't know about you, I couldn't even lock the door. <laughs> I couldn't even have my door locked. <laughs> if I you know, and, and somehow I had to have the door at least cracked at all times, all right? And somehow he in there building bombs and nobody knows. So white like, people watch your roommates. Hey Mark Anthony, what are you doing? Uh, I'm building a bomb. Hey, we're going to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and the interesting thing, so just to, to skip to the end of it, the part that I enjoy the most, um, <laughs> he, the, the police are closing in on him. They're, they're, they've seen the video of the FedEx uh, delivery where he personally brought the package wearing this uh, blonde wig or whatever, and they're closing in. So he leaves a red roof end parking lot where they've been watching his car for several hours and the cops are tailing him on a Texas interstate. And we don't know what exactly happened. But what we do know is that uh, one of the cops fired a shot, which in this case, I'm happy about Uh, (laughs) fired a shot. And I can't say that that shot led to the demise of uh, Mr. Condit, the bomber. But what I will say is the car uh, pulled over to the side of the road and around 3 a.m. an explosive was detonated, killing Mark Anthony Condit, age 23. Um, and he is no longer with us. So there, there are a couple things to explore with this story. One, we certainly do hope that that was the person who really was sending the bombs out. I'm inclined to believe it is based on the evidence that they were trying to present. Um, and, you know, he's he's gone. And I and that's why I was getting poetic about it because there's this old saying that if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And he lived by the bomb. So he died by the bomb. I think that's fitting. Um, the, the, the only, the, here's the thing is, and you, you're right, all right? We should be, I guess, I, I, I always get a little concerned about these situations, though, when it, it shows how much uh, will be the word for it surveillance is going on out there and how fast the police are able to find a killer when they want to okay mm. so for instance same thing happened with the bombing in Boston the guy at the middle of the Boston Marathon lets down a, a, a you know a, a backpack now the what couple hundred thousand people at the Boston Marathon within a week they got them both all right, one dude shot up, the other dude dead in a week. Uh, who killed Tupac? <laughs> who killed Biggie? It's been 20 years. We done done seven <laughs> movies about it. It's been everybody from 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 the lone gunman uh, on on the grassy knoll, all right, to 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 to, to the guy who shot that guy to begin to start World War One. It's been Ma- <laughs> Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Dr. King got accused a couple of times. Everybody, but we can find out these fools in five days. And well, I'm kidding about. Biggie and Tupac, I'm not kidding about the fact that there are serial killers running around in the inner city all the time. There'd be women missing 10, 15. Last year we had 15 or so sisters missing in D.C. We can't find none of them. 
but left some nice middle white class white people get to get a couple bombs on their front porch and we will find that fool in five days all right so we can find some people so next time they say oh we can't stop so and so or you know all the killing going on here understand that yeah we can when we want to absolutely absolutely and this this whole story in and of itself is a cautionary tale um rule number one people if you get a package that you weren't expecting, <laughs> particularly if it's in an Amazon box, but it has a frown on it instead of a smiley face, <laughs> uh, you probably don't want to open it and you may even want to call the police. If you get a package and it's ticking, uh, you probably want to run as fast as you can and evacuate the premises. Uh, I hope your insurance premiums have been paid up. Uh, so that you will have an easier time to rebuild. Um, and also, I just think that, you know, it, it shows you the level of depravity that these days people are willing to stoop to. Right. Um, nobody suspected this guy. And if you look at the pictures, you'll understand 100 percent why nobody suspected this guy. He looks like he's the vice president of the National Honor Society. <laughs> um, and who knows? Maybe he was. But, you know, it, they're calling him thing now. They're calling him things like mastermind, right. um, which would indicate that there's a bigger conspiracy. And I don't know if they're willing or if they're ready to present the issue about whatever the roommates may or may not have known. Um, they also apparently have gotten a 25 minute video of him. I don't know if it's supposed to be a manifesto of some sort, but they haven't revealed to us what the contents of the video are. But they somehow persuaded the police chief in the video that he's just troubled uh just a generally troubled child i i don't know how you get that from you sent bombs all over the city but okay this is something that i mean we used to hear about this thing in like comic books like isn't that what the joker used to do like he used to send bombs yeah and, everybody. and, and by the way we should be clear here because this isn't by the way like the school shooters it's not hard to pull the trigger on an ar-15 all right but uh jesse you, you got a law degree you know how to build a bomb no i do not we should have got llms apparently that jd ain't enough to teach you how to build a bomb i'm gonna tell you a little secret the reason we late on this podcast tonight recording so late is because uh i was trying to get my french door unstuck I, I, <laughs> and it took me four hours all right to do that all right i can't create a bomb so here's the thing about it is is that you know this guy is obviously you know not dumb all right and 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 it you know been motivated for this now the question is was he motivated for this for some random reason or did he have a reason and if he had a reason was it possible that it was at least the beginning racially motivated and the thing i find interesting is i don't know if it was or not i haven't seen the video who who knows i, I don't think you go through that trouble though to bomb somebody just for the hell of it because let me tell you something the door i spent four hours on fixing today the only reason i fixed it is because my son is moving out on friday and we need to be able to get his bed out the door. <laughs> so for the four years before then, it was not fixed. I was not going to bother fixing it until I needed to. So if I'm going to build a bomb, I'm going to have a reason. It ain't going to be just, oh, I just thought it would be some way to do it. All right, just easier ways to kill a bunch of folks, right? He had something he was planning on doing. And so here's my thought is, is that um, considering the history of America, it's likely to be racially or at least politically motivated. Um, there probably have been no bombs in the history of America that weren't racially or politically motivated. And somehow in America today, you got to write the N-word on the package. 
right, for us to right. believe it was racially motivated. I don't think they would have believed that the bombing of the, you know those four little girls in Birmingham um, was, was was racially motivated today. They're like, oh well, it's just mm-hmm. one church. How are we supposed to know? He didn't leave a note, right? right? He 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 was a good student. Uh, he had roommates. Um, you know, the idea should be that, you know, we should be suspecting that this was an act of terror, that this guy was attempting to accomplish something as muddled as it might have been, because you don't go through that kind of trouble for for no reason. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's personal, it's premeditated, it's deliberate, um, and, you know, and and the other thing is, I mean, this, this guy was 23, so it always throws me for a loop when somebody says he was a troubled person because I think about where I was in life at 23, and it was pretty darn good. Um, <laughs> I was a young man in law school, so like enjoying life. So if you're not enjoying life at 23, then maybe you should blow yourself up. I don't know. Here was his problem, though. He hadn't found the right podcast. And he found this podcast to keep him up, keep keep him, you know, even even uh, up and uplifted, even during some of the more depressing times. I think he could have made it. So the point is, if you got anybody troubled in your life, all right, send them to the Brothers-in-Law podcast. Now, before you send them to the Brothers-in-Law podcast, make sure you search their room. Right. All right? <laughs> and we're not giving you our address. We don't have address no more. All right? right? <laughs> we, we only take emails. All right? We don't send us cookies, cakes, nothing. All right? Maybe ice cream. I do like ice cream a lot. All right. But other than that, don't send us nothing because we don't we're not open it from you anymore. All right. But we do want you to 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 spread the word. Give us our iTunes love. Um, last week's episode was, I think, one of our most listened to episodes of all time. So we thank you for that. Um, and we got people. Um, I you know Jesse likes to track this all the time. But we had a number of people, not just from um, the outside of the U.S., some people in the U.K., but the motherland. Absolutely, uh, Kenya and, and 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 Nigeria, Wakanda forever. There we go. The, the English speaking places. So we we, we 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 got you, brothers and sisters. Well, you know, I want to I want to make my my um, <laughs> weekly pitch to the sponsors. Okay, um, Hennessy and Coke. We haven't heard from you yet. Thank you. So when, whenever you want to, just let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You know where we're at at Brothers in Law. Also, um, to any dynamite makers uh, who just wanted to have sponsorship on, on this on this particular episode, you know, if the money's green, you know, we got so you know, just you know, think about us. Um, and how are we gonna collect the money? Uh, we can't open the envelope for the check. <laughs> Nitroglycerin, you, 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 you stay your butt away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks so much. Um, we're going to continue this conversation on the Brother-in-Law, um, Brothers-in-Law Facebook page. Uh, we have a lot to talk about with regards, especially with our, our, our brother, Rustin Power, uh, Stefan Clark. And... Um, and uh, we're gonna we'll talk about Trump and his you know indiscretions. We got to give a shout out to Putin. Uh, congratulations uh, on being no, named king of the world. There you go. Uh, whatever he said in, in Russian. Um, <laughs> I, I started putting Russian salad dressing on all my salad. With Putin, I'm getting ready for the takeover. So so I got you. Hey, he won re-election fair and square. So <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say I'm not, I'm not about gonna the rumor. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, um, Putin Trump, 
<laughs> I got it.